0: Come on, everybody, let's give God praise. Come on, let's shout unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 This is the sound of dry bones rattling. He got up, God raised him up, and now he has all power in his hand. Are you excited to be here today? Come on, let's give God praise one more time. We are so excited to be here. God is faithful This is an awesome day and a beautiful day outside. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, At this time, we want to go ahead and dismiss our children to go and participate in children's ministry. Come on, everybody, one more time on Resurrection Sunday. Give God the best praise that you can find.
1: Out there, real fresh. Well, good morning, and again, happy Resurrection Day. We're excited to be here with everyone today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this morning. Um, Pastor Ken and I are going to be kind of co-teaching this sermon today, and so we're excited for you all to see what God has spoken to us over these last few weeks as we've been preparing for uh, the events today. But what an incredible moment to be able to start with the illustration of resurrection through baptism this morning. As a church family, uh, if you're new here today, what we've been doing over the last few weeks leading up to Easter is that we have been talking about this idea of righteous resistance. Essentially, we wanted to do, uh, what we wanted to do is to look back inside of the Scripture through different moments of righteous resistance, and then look at, in the, from the biblical history and then the real history, uh, that shouldn't be, that's a weird way to put that. In the biblical history and then modern history, uh, like the civil rights movement and moments of righteous resistance where we have seen people stand up for something that was righteous. We've looked at lots of examples. We looked at Vashti. We looked at Esther. We looked at Rahab. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and throughout the book of Daniel, you see it over and over again. Eventually, you make your way to Jesus who was the ultimate righteous resister. Example after example after example after example, he provides us with beautifully, righteously resistant moments that we can look at where he says, uh, even unto death, that he denies the power of this world by choosing to go to the cross. He could have at any moment extended just a flick of a wrist, a thought in his mind, and the whole thing could have ended. But he made a different decision, and this decision changes everything for us. This decision sets the stage for a new way of life for us, a new definition of power for us as human beings, and a new kind of triumph as the people of God. One of the few things that all of humanity shares in common together, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, is the reality of death and our own mortality.
0: That's right, Pastor Eric. Death is the certainty of life. Here's how it happened for me. It was May 11th. It's a day I'll never forget. I was casually sitting in the living room watching television. The phone rings. My sister screams, a desperation scream. So we all run into the kitchen where the phone was, because, of course, there were no cell phones then. What's wrong? Why are you screaming? It's daddy. What's wrong with daddy? Daddy's dead. Hmm. I didn't even know what that meant. I did, but I didn't. He'll get better, right? My mother was not home, so my sister called my grandmother. 20 minutes later, my grandmother got to the house. She called the hospital for clarification, verification. She hung up and said, yes, it's true. You all have lost your father. Your father's passed on. A few minutes later, my mother got home and my grandmother told her everything that has transpired because there were no cell phones then. She immediately went to the hospital and sometime later she returned and made the family announcement. She put her shock and her pain aside and she told us what had transpired. She made a grand announcement and then she talked to us all individually. And my session went something like this. Jimmy, your father has passed on. He's not going to be here anymore. Do you know what that means? You're never going to be able to see or talk to daddy again. But we're going to be okay because you have me and we have God. Do you understand what that means? So me, trying to tell her that I understood, I said, yeah. Does that mean he's never going to see Darnell Hillman dunk again? (laughs) She said, "Uh, yes, honey. That means he's never going to see Darnell Hillman dunk again. A few hours later, our house was full of people, and they literally stayed for days. On May 15th, we had his wake, and I was scared to go up to the casket, and she came and got me. And she said, don't be afraid of him. That's your father. He loves you. He would never hurt you. Church, that was my startling introduction to death. When, where, and how did death introduce itself to you? Was it equally as devastating and startling? Every one of us has an image in our hearts and minds of the day death introduced itself to us. When he walked into our home and into our life and extracted somebody that was vital. Tell me this. Was that devastating to you? If you're like me, death has broken your heart over, and over, and over, and over again. It's a deep story for me, y'all. Perhaps your experience was sudden. Maybe you were younger, maybe you were older. What we find out is that even when we expect it and we think we're prepared, we find out that we're not prepared. We all experience death routinely. Although we have grown to understand that death is a part of life and that we all are going to die, we never get used to it. Death seems so final. Death seems to be the inescapable reality that with the potential to continually plague mankind. It does not quit. It will not stop. It does not go away. It is merciless. It is always lurking, seemingly always planning and plotting. We hate it, but we can't beat it. It really seems to have the control. It's powerful. Death is the common denominator in humankind. All people, regardless of race, ethnicity, culture, class, economic status, or persuasion, we all experience death. We have different views about it and we process and celebrate it differently. But what is commonly shared is that death is inevitable, it's unavoidable, and it is painful. Can you imagine what our fellow journeyers on earth felt about death before Christ? You see, what makes death such a juggernaut is not just that death is painful, it is that death seems to be so final. It's not just that death renders us helpless, but much more, it is because that death renders us hopeless. Death is the bully that always takes our lunch money and eats our sandwich. Though we walk by faith, we do not know what's on the other side of death. Church, come with me. Can you imagine the horror of that Friday? What we now know to be Good Friday, but what the followers of Jesus could never have imagined anything good about? Yes, that Friday. The Friday that death claimed so violently, so painfully, and so thoroughly claimed their son, their brother, their teacher, their counselor, their mentor, their rabbi, and their friend. The best thing we know, Jesus, has been defeated by the worst thing we know, death. Death has beat Jesus. And therefore, death has beat us once again. They were devastated, but as we will see in our text today, they still come to the tomb. Why did they come? What were they looking for? Wasn't this done? Maybe they were still in disbelief and returned to the tomb to see if in fact it is true. Had they imagined this? Had they dreamed this? Maybe even in death they still just wanted to be near him. They just wanted to be in the last place that they saw him. So they returned to the tomb in the same way that we often go to the graveyard on Memorial Day to visit loved ones who have gone on before us. Maybe they had another motivation. Perhaps they thought If there's nothing to see in the physical realm, maybe, perhaps, just maybe, there is still something to be felt in the spiritual realm. But this wasn't going to be your average Memorial Day visit to the grave to place flowers on the grave and clean the headstone. Pastor Eric, this day would be different. This day would be like no other. Would you all turn with me to Matthew chapter 28?
1: Pastor Ken, thank you for telling us that story. I appreciate you. This is what the scriptures say to us. I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word on Resurrection Day. And we're going to start together in verse 1. 28 verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. This is the reading of God's word. Go ahead and have a seat. Amen. Amen. So I want you to imagine that day. For those who are going to the tomb, these women are approaching the tomb. They're experiencing despair on a bunch of different levels. Multiple kind of areas in their life have been touched by this. They're looking at the loss and the death of their friend. They're looking at the loss and the death of their rabbi. And at the end of the revolution that they have become affiliated with. There's deep sorrow in losing a friend. This sting of death that hurts in just a few hours can't solve that. So it's fresh in their minds. They're still struggling there. His death was worse than normal. A cruel and impassioned murder from, of horrific proportions. Then their teacher, Rabbi Yeshua Who love them and and with a smile come and follow me as he proclaimed this good news. A new good news in the face of all kinds of other powers of that day. That Roman Greece also have a good news that they proclaim. New technology, education, military might, philosophical enlightenment. Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven. And his voice has been silenced by the very empires he was preaching against doubt creeps in. They're starting to think, well, maybe, maybe Jesus didn't have the right way to live like he said he did. Maybe this wasn't the way as he proclaimed to us over and over. And finally, their membership in this revolution that Jesus called the kingdom of heaven, which was supposed to usurp all of these other regimes, establish a new heaven and new earth right here, a season of milk and honey Canaan, the promised land that we've always been told about, seems to have been crushed underfoot by the enemy, stamped into the ground like a faded dream along with hundreds of other revolutionaries who have come and gone throughout history. All of these things have been ended with the ultimate last word, death. Their despair is felt on every single level of every new way that they have rearranged their lives because in faith, they believe that Jesus Christ truly was the Son of God Now he's dead. As the day moved forward, we read in the text, the stone rolled back. And it didn't just happen smoothly, like some kind of fashion stone that you would think would easily just kind of come and go. It comes with this powerful moment, this display of striking, violent earthquake as God's creation shakes. And then this brilliant light flashes like lightning. Lightning, And it's not to reveal the Christ himself. It's not to reveal the risen Lord. This isn't even the main attraction. This isn't the headliner of the show. This is just the hype man. And he sits on the stone. I don't know why that detail's in there, but it is. He sits down on the stone, and just as a messenger, an angel whose existence is a mere byproduct of the glory of God, but whose appearance is so overwhelming that these soldiers, who are probably battle-hardened people, they fear for their lives. They believe themselves that the thing that they are witnessing is unlike anything they've seen before. They think they're going to die. And this forerunner, the angel of God, has everybody's attention as he turns towards these women to speak to them because they just came to anoint the body of Jesus. All they want to do is minister to Jesus, and the angel speaks.
0: All they want to do is minister to Jesus. But when they get to the tomb, they get the surprise of their lives and our lives. Something has happened Something different, something unprecedented. There was an angel there, sitting on a stone, who had an announcement. He says to them, he is not here. He has risen. But this has to be fake news. Death is undefeated, right? Death never loses, right? Knowing they would probably think this, the angel says, come and see the place where he lay." they beheld an empty tomb. Wow, wait a minute. You mean Jesus actually beat death? You mean he is risen? Risen meaning to move from a lower position to a higher one to come up or to go up. Risen meaning to secede and not being limited or constrained by a restrictive environment, situation, or force to be restored to life. Risen meaning to cease to be submissive or obedient or peaceful. Jesus is the ultimate rebel. This is a revolt against the satanic system. This is a riot. This is a rise up. Jesus won. So we won. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He got up, and God raised him up with all power in his hands. The resurrection is the ultimate resistance against death. So now death has become the pathway to life eternal. And Jesus is established as the ultimate power. Before the resurrection, death was the ultimate power. It was the ultimate stronghold and resistant force. Death is no longer the big bully. Jesus beat the bully. Death, church... Is merely divine transportation to get us to our heavenly destination. And so, review with me the six resistant phrases of the angel. The angel's statements of resistance are this that he moves us from a place of calm. Perhaps, Pastor, that's why he was just chilling on the stone. <laughs> He tells them, be calm, Don't be, af- be not afraid. He moves us from calm to something that is confusing. He is not here. What does that mean? Did somebody come and take his body during the night? That's confusing. He moves us from calm to confusion. And Secondly, he moves us from clarity to confession. Clarity, he is not here because he has risen. God got him up. Confession, just as he said. Don't you remember? He told you it would happen this way. And finally, he moves us from confirmation, come see it for yourself, to commission. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, don't stay here. There's no assignment for you here. Go let it be known. If Jesus did not stay here, you should not stay here. You don't need to stay in a place that's empty. What's our message then, church? What is the resurrection message? That we should tell people. What does this mean to us? Number one, because he got up, we too can get up. There is nothing that we cannot get up from. Nothing is impossible and nothing is insurmountable. We can do all things through Christ because his strength is our strength. Number two, we should also understand that we have now been made agents of resistance. Everybody that Receives this resurrection. We are God's ambassadors in earth. He lent us his resurrection power for the cause of justice, equity, and righteous resistance. Pastor Eric, things are different now. <laughs> As Ken said,
1: pastor, is making us understand that the resurrection itself isn't just this historic event, but this empowerment that takes place to us today. That it was first strength and this ability to be resilient that the powers that take place around us don't have to be the final word in our life and so we can move up and out of this darkness, but it also commissions us, it pulls us out and sends us as righteous resistors into the world It's there here that we are called to live our lives as those who redeem death in all that we do and turn this earth into a place that looks more like what Jesus intended for it to look like. But third, even death, as the common, a common denominator between us, is good news that the resurrection doesn't have to be the final word. It didn't have to be the final word for them, that their friend, their rabbi, and their revolution was over, but it gets to be, for us, the final word, that death doesn't have the say in our lives today. The resurrection proclaims that death is dead. So we walk into this today as, as we end. What I want to do is, is, is to uh, encourage you with this story that I've told from a pastor uh, that passed away some time ago. I've told this story once, but I felt like it was especially appropriate today on Easter Sunday. Pastor Buddy Hoffman, he was speaking with me one day. We were sitting in this group of people, it was like a discipleship thing, and at the end of the evening, we decided to go to his house, and he's just kind of, as a relational pastor does, he's like the featured person. He's making his way around the crowd, trying to talk to everyone giving everybody individual time, and then he comes to me, and we're sitting down on this couch next to each other. And we're kind of face-to-face. He's trying to find out where I'm from, you know, what brought me to this discipleship group that we're a part of um, here in this situation. Uh, And what he wants me to know is that he is actually pretty tired. He's experienced officiating two funerals in the last month. One was a very close friend of his, and the other was another person in his congregation. And so what he's saying is, man, we shouldn't let death become normal to us. And he's kind of getting worked up. I should admit that he's a couple of glasses of wine in at the point that we're having this conversation. <laughs> but he's getting worked up because of the situation that he's in. And he's like, man, God hates death. And so, this is what he says to me. I get that all things work together for the good of those who love me, but I'm sick of hearing people say that at funerals. I get that God is sovereign. And as his voice begins to ramp up, he says, but sometimes I think we use that as an excuse to give in to death a little bit too easily. His voice begins to raise. He leans in, and this guy has an intense gaze. I'm looking like eye to eye to this guy as he looks over at me. I can tell that the rest of the room, as his voice gets louder, starts to get quieter, and they're paying attention to what's going on between me and this pastor. And he says, young man, you listen to me. God hates death. He hates it so much that he put his only son on the cross so that he could kill it forever. And then he looks at me, he says, we were born into a world of death and sin, but God doesn't leave us there. Stop succumbing to it. Stop agreeing with it. Stop embracing it. And I look around and all eyes are on us. (laughs) Like this beautifully awkward moment inside of this room where this guy is making this final point. Little did I know that Buddy would in fact pass away about a year later from that. But That man left a legacy of people who are not afraid of death. An entire church and a movement of people, now a church planting network, wherein they have proclaimed life where death used to be. So here's our commissioning. The resurrection was the ultimate righteous resistance, and by sharing in the cross, we share in the power of the resurrection today. And so we want you to go out today knowing that you have the power to overcome things that you once thought were insurmountable. That you have the power to know that you bring the ministry of life into death. That you are meant to reconcile that which is broken. That you are meant to speak hope into that which was once despair. And it's here that we're sent into the world to live in a way that preaches life in every way possible from your relationships to your careers. And so if you're an educator, you teach people and speak life that way. You heal as a doctor or as a nurse and a health professional. You create a redeemed economy as business people, marketers, financers. You bring beauty as artists and architects into this world. You coach athletes in a way that teaches life lessons and brings up the next generation. Because the ultimate goal is that we would bring life into all that we do. And that the world would begin to look a little bit more like the way Jesus designed it to be. And so we keep working and working And working until the fullness of this resurrection comes and we experience it here as a new heavens and new earth. Would you guys pray with us today?
0: So then today, as much as this is a day of adoration, it is equally a day of assignment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. What jubilation, what joy, what celebration. And God, I thank you that you got up and now we can get up. And we certainly celebrate that. Thank you for providing for us the power to come against a formidable enemy and know that we can win because your power is on the inside of us. And now God, it is with that power that we not only do celebration, it is not just celebration power, it is commissioning power. And God, I pray now that we will take your power to the highways and to the byways and that you might be able to use that power through us to speak life and to put our hands toward life-building and life-saving measures. We celebrate you not only for rising But we celebrate you for making us party to the circumstance, giving us your resurrection power. Help us to use resurrection power in the way that you have deemed it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.